Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. I mean, one moment he's sitting there in his cage, he's happy, he's singing, and uh, the next moment, not so much. He's, he's all sucked in, blown over, disheveled, and, and what happened? Well, it all started, his owner decided to clean out Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner and used the, you know, pulled off all the, the little ends of it and just had the tube, and he, he did, and then the phone rang, and he got distracted, and so he restarted to get the phone, and all of a sudden, whoop, Chippy's gone. And so the owner, in panic, gets down in the bag, opens it up. Chippy's there. He's there in the bag, but he's covered in soot, and he's still alive. He's, he, he actually seems unhurt, and, but he's just all covered with all kinds of dust and soot and stuff. So the owner grabs him, runs to the faucet, and puts him under the faucet. And then he realizes Chippy's shivering and... and, and you know, freezing, and so he runs and gets the blow dryer and <laughs> blow dries Chippy. The reporter who shared that story checked in on Chippy a couple of weeks later and said, how's Chippy doing? And she said, he seems okay, but he just sits there now and stares. Maybe you feel like that during this pandemic. You feel like, man, I've gotten to the point where I'm just sitting and staring and there's nothing I don't even know what's going on anymore. I feel like I've been through, you know, the whole vacuum and, and it's just, it's really super difficult. I think that it's important if we're gonna make it through this, that we start to get some understandings. And so we're starting this new series today. I'm calling it Pandemonium, a pandemic parable because we're gonna talk about our enemy. We're gonna talk about the truth. We're going to talk about uh, what God has for us in this. You know, the pandemic, it's not our enemy. It doesn't mean that we don't take it seriously. But if you look at what Jesus says, you would get the idea, the understanding that it's just another thing we deal with in a broken world. In fact, it might even be a signal that we're getting closer to the end of time. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 21. He said, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come announcing themselves as the Messiah and saying, the time has come, but don't believe them. When you hear of wars and insurrections beginning, don't panic. True, wars must come, but the end won't follow immediately. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. There will be famines in many lands. There will be epidemics and terrifying things happening in the heavens. Mark, you're asking me, how could the pandemic not be our enemy? I mean, we could die from it. Yes, it's true, but death is not our enemy. In fact, it's important that we know who or what is the enemy. Jesus shared a, a parable about that. And I think once we begin to understand that, we're gonna begin to get the idea of who our enemy is. And it's gonna change how we're living right now. And how we're experiencing this, the truth of our experience in this pandemic right now. Let me just read to you from Luke chapter 8, and then we'll dive into that. Verse 4, while a huge crowd gathered with people from many surrounding towns streaming to hear Jesus, he told them a parable. And it's a real famous parable. You've probably heard it. Jesus said, once a farmer went out to scatter seed in his fields, some seeds fell along a trail where they were crushed underfoot by people walking by. Birds flew in and ate those seeds. 
Other seeds fell on gravel. Those seeds sprouted, but soon withered, depleted of moisture under the scorching sun. Still other seeds landed among thorns where they grew for a while, but eventually the thorns stunted them so they couldn't thrive or bear fruit. But some seeds fell into good soil, soft, moist, free from thorns. These seeds not only grew, but they also produced more seeds, a hundred times what the farmer originally planted. If you have ears, Jesus said, hear my meaning. Now, his disciples heard the words, but the deeper meaning eluded them. Disciples said this, Jesus, what are you trying to say? Jesus says, the kingdom of God contains many secrets. Did you get that? They keep listening, but do not comprehend. They keep observing, but do not understand. Maybe that's where you feel like you are right now in the midst of this pandemic. I'm, I'm trying to hear from you guys. I'm not understanding. He says, I want you to understand. So here's the interpretation of this parable. The voice of God falls on human hearts like seeds scattered across a field. Some people hear that message, but the devil opposes the liberation that would come to them by believing. So he swoops in and steals the message from their hard hearts like birds stealing seeds from the footpath. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, but as they go their way, they're suffocated with the anxieties and riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. And then the seed that fell into the good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. He went on to say, you, you wouldn't light a lamp and cover it with a clay pot. You're not going to hide it under your bed. So, no, when you light it, you're going to put it out in the open so your guests can feel welcome and see where they're going. And then he says some really interesting things. He says, hidden things will always come out into the open. Secret things will come to light and be exposed and then he says, I hope you're listening. And I hope you're listening carefully. If you get what I'm saying, you'll get more. If you miss my meaning, even the understanding you think you have will be taken from you. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that someone comes in and interrupts the crowd that he's speaking to because his mother and brothers have arrived. And someone from the crowd said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside the house hoping to see you. And Jesus didn't move. But he said, do you want to know who my brother, my mother and my brothers are? They're the ones who truly understand God's message and obey it. You know, for millennia, the last couple of thousand years, the followers of Jesus have spoken about three enemies of the soul. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus talked about these enemies in this, one of the, uh, his most famous parables. But you know, I think all three of them have kind of dropped out of the conversation in the modern church. So we are struggling to experience the life God has for us in our world. There's this sense that there's opposition, there's pushback, maybe even violence from within and without, but we don't understand why. The ancient paradigm has the potential to unlock for us 
a new sense of victory and freedom and growth in our life, even in this pandemic time. Jesus says our spiritual enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil, we need to see all three correctly to survive and thrive in this pandemic. Truth, Jesus said, is what's going to set you free. And when he said that, hey, let me just read it to you, John 8, 31, 32. Jesus told the people who had faith in him, if you keep on obeying what I've said, you're my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, it's not just any truth. It's the ones who follow his truth, God's principles for living life. We can, in our emotions during a time like this, begin to feel all kinds of things that really aren't accurate, but we feel them deeply. I remember sharing a story one time about a, a, a woman who had gone to the airport. This was before the pandemic. And she had gone there and gotten there early because she didn't like to rush to the airport. She loved to go to Mrs. Fields cookies and get those little packs of three cookies. You know, they'd give you three and she picked them out exactly what she wanted, those little chocolate chip ones. And um, she went and sat down. There's a seat between her and the the, the man on the other side of it. She's reading her newspaper. He's reading a magazine. She sets the little bag of cookies in the middle. And at least that's how she remembers it, you know. And, and, and as she, she um, is listening, all of a sudden she hears the rattle of the bag. And then the guy's taking a bite of her cookie. And she's not very good at confrontation, but the gall of that guy taking a bite of her cookie. So she... You know, she's going to get mad, so she just rattles it more and grabs a cookie and eats her cookie, you know. And then lo and behold, she hears a snap. And she looks up, and the guy's eating half a cookie, and he's only left her half a cookie in her bag. She is so angry. She's thinking about reporting him. She's thinking about giving him a piece of her mind. She just gets up and walks away, and, and uh, she is so angry at that guy. How, the, how rude can you be? She gets on the plane, she sits down, she's in first class, he's back in the back somewhere. And as she sits down, she opens her purse to put her ticket in, the, in her purse, make sure she doesn't lose it, and there's her bag of cookies. All of a sudden, her whole perspective changed. It went from this guy over here is this crazy lunatic eating her cookies, how rude could he be, to I'm the crazy lunatic to him, that was his bag of cookies, and some woman is eating, you know, half of his bag of cookies going crazy. Her feelings lied to her. You see, emotions are just notoriously unreliable. Why? Because if we believe a lie, our emotions believe it too. It doesn't matter if it's a truth or a lie. If we believe it, our emotions will get behind it. So I wonder if there's some lies that you're believing. Jesus said, I hope you're still listening and listening carefully. If you get what I'm saying, you're really going to get it. If you miss what I'm saying, life's not going to make any sense at all. So we got to find the truth about these three enemies, the, the world, for example. Let's just quickly walk through those. The world, it's our home, right? So for most of us, I mean, we live in this world and it's, it, it's supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be comfy. Wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're going to have trials, 
tribulations, that life is difficult. You know, uh, the, the Marines have a saying, and, you know, pardon this, if you like, they call it embrace the suck. I'll call it embrace the chaos. But what it is, is it, it, it's like embrace the chaos. Life is difficult. You've got to embrace it. When you're over there in Afghanistan and, and it's 125 degrees or whatever, you know, and you're trying to get through the sand and, and in those caves, you've got to just embrace what is or you're not going to make it. And that's kind of what the Bible says about the world. You've got to just know it's going to be difficult. Do you know that? Are you mad right now because the world is difficult? Because you see, the truth is the world is difficult. The Bible told us it was going to be. Jesus told, it was going to, told us it was going to be. And then there's the flesh. What, what is that? Well, it's this body with this brain, right? And here's the thing that, that I think is real important to pull out of this because there's so much that uh, you could talk about. You could spend sermons talking about, you know, the flesh. But what I've discovered from all of my counseling, looking at everything, there are really two kinds of people in the world. You see, there's this, there's this continuum. Right in the middle, I would put normal. None of you are here, okay? So you can just turn to the person next to you and say, that ain't you, all right? It's not you, you're not normal. And then there's another continuum. One goes toward neurotic. The other moves toward character disorder. It's what psychologists tell us. And, and, and I've seen that. The lies of the neurotic and the lies of the character disorder. It's this it's spectrum. And it's based on the amount of responsibility that you take for yourself. The character disorder doesn't take responsibility. Blames everything around them. Don't point, okay? The neurotic takes too much responsibility. And for example, in this pandemic, the character disorder says, God has let me down in this pandemic. The neurotic is probably saying, I have let God down in this pandemic. I failed, I failed him. So we gotta find the truth about that. And then there's the devil, that's the other. The devil is real. He really is an enemy. We're not going to go into the backgrounds of all of that. We're, we can do that at another time. But I love C.S. Lewis' little book. It's called The Screwtape Letters. It's this demon screw tape is writing to his nephew, demon, Wormwood, who's trying to affect somebody and uh, affect a human because he's like assigned to this one human. Let me just read you a little bit of this. In fact, I'll put it up on the screen so you can read it along with me. To us, says Screwtape, this is a demon talking, remember. To us, a human is primarily food. Our aim is the absorption of its will into ours, the increase of our own area of selfhood at its expense. But the obedience which the enemy demands, now remember the enemy's God, okay, so that God demands of men is quite a different thing. One must face the fact that all the talk about God's love for men and his service being perfect freedom is not, as we would gladly believe, mere propaganda, but it's an appalling truth. He really does want to fill the universe with, with a lot of loathsome little replicas of himself, creatures whose life on its miniature scale will be qualitatively like his own, not because he absorbed them, but because their wills freely conform to his. He wants, we want, cattle who can finally become food for us. He wants servants who can finally become sons. 
We want to suck in. He wants to give out. We're empty and would be filled. He's full and flows over. Our war aim is a world in which our father below, the devil, has drawn all other beings into himself. The enemy wants a world full of beings united to him, but still distinct. You see, there's a big difference between what God wants for you and what the devil wants for you. And here's the thing about our enemy. He knows our disorders. He plays on them. In fact, I've discovered in my life that the devil will talk in my ear in first person, so I think it's me. And he uses your accent. If you're British, I'm not even going to attempt a British accent, but it would be a, a, a British accent, a first person accent. Here in Hockley, it sounds kind of like this. If your character disorder, well, gall darn it, God, you gone and let me down again. Living for you, I'm going, go, I'm going good for you. And then wham, pandemic, you know, pandemonium. You took my job away. My marriage is pitiful. I don't know how I couldn't see that that woman had problems from the beginning. How did you let me marry her? Now I'm stuck in a house with a crazy woman 24-7, quarantine, they call it. I don't know. You could think of another name. And my kids, they add to that pandemic loony bin. I mean, I raised them, right? But they sure turned out weird. Probably took it from their mother. This ain't fair, God. You, you're not fair. I quit. Now, the neurotic, on the other hand, see, that's what the, the devil's whispering this in, in the character disorder's ear, and, and he just thinks it's him. The neurotic, on the other hand, the devil's whispering in their ear, well, gall darn it, God, I let you down again. Why do I fail you every dang time? I'm a pitiful wife. My husband reminds me of that all the time, and he's so right. I don't know what he ever saw in me in the first place. And my poor kids, where did I go wrong with them? I must have really messed them up somewhere. I just feel ashamed of myself, God, so ashamed. I failed you again. I'm just a failure. I quit. You see how he works on us based on where we are on this spectrum. Now, let me just tell you the truth, not only about your enemy, but the truth about this pandemic. You know what this pandemic is going to do? It's going to show you. It's going to show you if you really are a believer. And that's a big deal. God uses these things. In fact, how do you know you're a believer? Do you know you're a believer because you can see all the, the blessings of God on your life? Oh, I must be a believer. Look how he's blessing me. No. Do you know you're a believer because God has given you the American dream of safety and security and comfort and happiness? No, the Bible says. Do you know you're a believer because when you think about God, oh, I just feel so emotional when I think about God. I just, I mean, I even, I, I mean, look, I'm teared up right now. No. Is it that you prayed a prayer or signed a card or joined a church? You know, here's the thing. Does sitting in a garage make you a car? No. Does sitting in a church make you a believer, a Christian? No. James, in his little book in the Bible, says none of that. Let me let you in on a little secret. You know what, what, what helps you know the test of a true believer? Tough times, hard times. You see, it's a common occurrence in my life to meet people who thought they were Christians, thought they were believers, and believed they knew God, and then a severe difficulty comes into their life that they can't explain. They're exposed to a reality um, that they don't understand, and they fall away. Their faith is revealed. Listen to how James 
says that we should do. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face COVID-19 pandemic. He could have said that. He said trials of many kinds because you know that the, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. When trials come into our life, they reveal that faith is real or that it's not real. It holds or it does not. We hang on to God, his resources, or we don't. And don't you think that's something that we need to know? So God will allow these things from time to time to, to, to not, let us know that. I told you last week that trials cannot destroy faith. They only put it to the test. Let me ask you a, a couple of quick questions just to bring this home. How would you judge the spiritual life of a person who willingly heard about this journey with Christ, open ears, anxious eagerness, received it personally without any resistance. I want it. I'm stepping into this. Then they responded with joy. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm so excited about this. And they, they, they received personally the word, responded with joy. They believed. Does that mark genuine salvation? Does that identify a true Christian? You're going, well, it sure sounds like it to me, Mark. Well, let's find out. Remember, we just heard Jesus talking about it in Luke chapter 8 and verse 13 in the middle of his parable. Remember, he's talking about who the different seed, uh, the, the different seeds are that have been thrown out. He said the seed that's thrown on the rocky ground, they're the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Wow, a time of testing. They fall away. That, that, that little phrase, a time of testing, it's so interesting in the original language. The word time here is not the word for chronological time. That's chronos in the Greek. It's, this word for time is kairos. That's a different word, kairos. That means a destined time, an appointed time, a particular moment, an opportunity. And so what he's talking about here is not a time on the clock, but a time of destiny, a time in one's life. There's going to come this time of testing. And in this case, there were those who in the time of testing, they fell away. Afistemi, afistemi, to stand apart from, to fall away. In the time of testing, they stood apart from God. Basically, really clearly in the Greek language, it's saying they never had belonged to him. And the testing showed it. It's kind of what John was saying in 1 John 2, 19. He said, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so it would be shown that all of them are not of us. People in a time of testing they stand apart from God. So they don't really know God at all. It's like that tiny seed and there's a little bit of topsoil, but there's just not enough to take root. So it never really takes root. It's not the idea of uprooting. It's that there was never enough root. The time of testing showed that it wasn't real. It wasn't rooted. So they couldn't see it until the time of testing. And that's what James is trying to say. What James would say to us, if he were speaking to us today, he would say, this pandemic 
is a gift. And you say, how could it be a gift? It's destroyed my faith. And he's saying, no, if your faith is destroyed, you never were a believer. God's giving you a new chance. He's letting you see that there wasn't faith there. Trials cannot destroy faith. They can only put it to the test. And the, the faith that stands the test is proven to be genuine. And the faith that fails the test is proven to be false. And then it's so interesting, though, because Jesus goes on in this passage, and all of a sudden, it's like you think things have changed because his mother and brothers come, and maybe they're changing the, the whole idea of the passage, but it's put in here together for a reason. Jesus says to the people after they say, hey, your mother and brothers are here. They want to talk to you. He doesn't even move. He just says, who are my, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? They're the ones who truly understand God's message and obey it. He said, I've got a new family now. It's a family of faith. And that brings us together. So what we're talking about, we're talking about a story of pain, a story of difficulty, a story of trial, but a story of faith, your story, the pain that you've gone through in your life, the pain that maybe you're right in the middle of right now, your story. You see, here's the thing. People today no longer believe biblical proof. I can, I, I'm, I, I, I went to seminary. I studied for many years. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of biblical proof. I could sit down and logically prove to you why the Bible's true, logically prove to you why God exists. But the thing is, no one's really interested in that anymore. All people long for today is to be a part of a compelling story. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for a story that they can put themselves into. And your life will be the miracle. Your story will be the catalyst for life change for those around you. That's the purpose. That's what's going on. You have an enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil. We're going through a trial. It's called the pandemic. Listen to what C.S. Lewis, again, in the Screwtape letters, Screwtape talking to the, the uh, demon Wormwood who's trying to get this guy to, to move away from God. And he says this, Wormwood, it may surprise you to learn that in God's efforts to get permanent possession of a soul, God relies on the troughs of life even more than on the peaks of life. Some of his special favorites have, have gone through longer and deeper troughs than anyone else. It's during such tough periods, much more during the, than during the peak periods, that it is growing into the sort of creature God wants it to be. He wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take away his hand. And if only the will to walk is really there, God is pleased even with their stumbles. Wow, so interesting. Are you holding God's hand right now? Are you stumbling around? It's, it's okay if you got his hand. You see, the Bible says in another place, he says, when the righteous, the one who's really believed, stumbles, they won't, it says we'll stumble, but we won't be hurled headlong. We won't fall flat on our face and bust our nose in because God is the one who holds our hand. 
Just imagine that. Do you have his hand right now? I've asked Jess to sing a song that I just, re- it just really spoke to me this week. It's called Everlasting Light. And then I'm going to come back and I'll close this out. But here's the thing. Some of you, you're ready to wrap it up because, you know, oh, it's just music. It's the ending music. It's kind of like, you know, they're going to show the credits or something. That's not what we're doing right now, okay? What we're doing is we're singing a song to this one, a song of faith. And in faith, I want you, and you say, well, I don't sing. Well, just roll it over in your mind. That might be doing us all a favor if you don't sing. I don't know. But roll it over in your mind. Meditate on this, okay? In faith, sing. Some of you just sing out, no matter how you sing, because God doesn't care. And when we get to the part that says, even the darkest days are temporary, you are the everlasting light. That's a song of faith. Do you have faith? Are you a believer? Is it real? You're going to know it. Probably going to know it in the middle of this song right here. Okay? As you begin to sing this out to God. Let's do that together. And then I'll come back and close. Don't go anywhere. Do this. This is important. I'll see you in a minute. the time. 
Wow, good stuff. God, we love you so much. We're so glad to be yours. Thank you, thank you. Thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. God, some of us have stumbled. I personally, I've stumbled some in this pandemic. I've had a hard time believing you for some things, and, but you've got my hand and you just keep pulling me back up. Thank you, God. Thank you that I've seen that my faith is real. It might be weak a lot of times, but it's, it's real. And that even when I stumble, like C.S. Lewis said, even when I stumble, you still, you're so proud of me because I got your hand and I'm not gonna let go. But here's the big thing. The reason why I don't let go is because you got my hand. It was real when I put my hand in yours. And I know that you teach and your word teaches, you will never let me go. Even if I try to release my hand, you're not gonna let go. So I step into that right now and believe that with all of my heart. And I want you to teach me now through this pandemic what it is you're trying to get me to know. You're trying to help me to understand. Let me see the truth about my enemy. Let me see the truth about this trial. Let me see the truth about myself. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my prayer for you, my prayer for me. I've got three questions I wanna just have you discuss with those around you before you, you leave this time, okay? Let me, one of, the first one's pretty hard because it's gonna be hard for you to answer. Are you neurotic or character disordered? Okay, do you take too much responsibility for everything? It's all my fault. Are you neurotic or are you character disordered? Character disorders, you might need to ask someone around you. <laughs> someone that knows you, because it's gonna be hard for you to admit that, okay? In fact, character disorders, you are so hard to counsel because, you know, you'll come to me and say, my life has got to change, my wife is a wreck. And I'm like, well, what about you? Well, if I can just get her fixed, everything, you know. So it's so much easier to counsel a neurotic where, who comes and goes, oh, I've got so many problems. They take responsibility for themselves. I'm a wreck. I'm even messing up my husband's life. Is that true? Well, maybe, but you know, you can do something when someone takes responsibility, all right? But when you're a believer and you're filled with the Spirit, even your character disordered self, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. The Holy Spirit can help you know. The Holy Spirit can tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, no, no, uh-uh, that's you. And you'll fight back a little bit, but if you'll just allow Him, He'll move you too. That's your hope. In fact, that's, the only hope for any of us. And then number two, what is the enemy whispering in your ear right now? I'm not gonna even, I mean, there's so many things he could be whispering to you right now, all right? And number three, I want you to share your story with those around you. You might just be, it's a family or it's a husband and wife. Oh, I know your story. Listen, in just like two minutes, I want you to think about it for a second. And then in just like two minutes, summarize your story what God did for you. Maybe some of you are gonna have to be super honest right now and just say, you know, my story is, I thought I was a believer and right now I know I'm not. That's okay. That's hope. You step into it right now, then you can say, in fact, let's, let me bow my head and ask God to, to, to help me step into this journey right now and receive what Jesus did on the cross for me. That's what I love about our church. It's like, you don't have to pretend here. Just be real. 
Be honest. I love that we can do this together. I love you, community of faith. I know we're in the midst of deep testing. I'm so proud of you. I love you with all my heart. What I love about you is just your honesty. You're just your willingness to really look and see. I do believe that there might be many of you today who are going to say, yeah, I thought I was a believer, but I'm not. I love you for speaking that out, for saying that out loud. Maybe you're going to have to go home and just say it to yourself first because it's hard for you to, because you thought you'd been a believer for like 25 years. It's okay. This is your moment. It's going to change everything. Some of you, I've been telling myself a lie. I thought the pandemic was my enemy. I thought God was a million miles away. And you'll see it. I love you. Hang in there. Next week, pandemonium part two. And and we're going to continue to look at at some of these things. But there's going to be a deep truth, I think, for some of you as we step into next week that plays off of this into the next step. We'll see you next week. Love you guys.